This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. Welcome back. Happy happy April. We're here. Yeah. And uh, it's beautiful. Hope you're having a beautiful day, a beautiful week. We have an awesome episode with the Real Food Dietitians. Welcome, Jess and Stacy. We're so excited to have you guys here. Jess is a registered dietitian, nutritionist living in Boulder, Colorado. Jess and I go way back at our CrossFit roots buddy days. Um, also lots of other hilarious moments in our lives, like picking up a CSA from Jess's porch during the height of the pandemic. I also remember running my sourdough starter out to your husband in the middle of a snowstorm. Um, <laughs> and she lives with her husband and two daughters. She enjoys CrossFit, teleskiing, which we'll have to talk about mountain biking, camping out under the stars. She has an awesome adventure van as well. Stacey is a licensed and registered dietitian from rural Southern Minnesota, where she, her husband and daughter reside with their two dogs. They are the co-founders of the Real Food Dietitians. Stacey also loves all kinds of fitness and has a passion to inspire as many as she can to live a healthier and happier life, both in and out of the kitchen. So we're so excited to have you guys here. We're excited to chat about food, which is pretty much our favorite topic, and also to hear about your latest cookbook, which I have cooked five recipes out of so far, and I really want to tell you about it. I actually, we originally were supposed to have you guys on a couple weeks ago and right before your cookbook came out. And I'm actually kind of glad that we got to have a little bit of extra time because I got to actually really dive into the cookbook and got to do a little bit of homework. Welcome, Stacey and Jess. Thanks, Claire. I still have your jar with the cute little lid from the sourdough starter. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) So also, we want to mention that you guys also have a third member of your Real Food Dietitian team now who is not on the podcast and is like due with a baby like minus minus one day ago, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Jesse Schaefer joined us in February of 2021 while we were in the hype of writing the book. And, um, it's been such a whirlwind that Stacy actually has two kids. She has a little boy. And so we didn't even update our bios after Jameson was born (laughs) because that's how crazy it's been. But yes, Jesse joined us and she is hopefully having a baby or will have had a baby by the time you listen to this. I used to work with Jesse at my previous job. No way. Yeah. I worked that way. So we just, I have, you know, there's a lot of uh, nepotism going on in this conversation. (laughs) We feel like we feel like Jesse knows everyone. <laughs> like she says, like, oh yeah, I know that person. We're like, oh, you're like, wow, yeah, that's surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for those of our audience who are not familiar with you guys, tell us a little bit about how the Real Food Dietitians came to be. Well, um, Stacy and I met at a conference in New York City in 2014. We were both working, you know, in private practice. Stacy was also at the hospital. We met. And we kind of uh, did that whole like, yeah, let's keep in touch, you know, account- accountability partners. Didn't talk for about six months. And then one of us reached out to the other. I don't remember who. And we were in this place where we were going to write like a free ebook to put on our website to get people to sign up for our email list. And we decided to share the work. And that turned into some really big projects, like three 96 page recipe, like kind of like a real food reset books that we published self-published over the course of, man, it was like eight months. I think we were going to do one for every season. And then we got to fall and we kind of like, we were so burned out. And then we went to the conference that we had met at the next year, we decided, or Stacy had a, an idea for a business where it was like an online meal plan delivery service, kind of like real plans or emails 
So she had that in the works and then she asked me to be her partner. So I wrote her a check for, you know, was it like $400? It wasn't a lot. <laughs> yeah. For half of the business and I'll let Stacey finish. Yeah. And the reason we, the reason I came up with this idea of like a meal plan membership program was because the clients that we were both seeing, like the, I felt like the most thing they were interested in was the meal plan. So we're like, great, let's just put a meal plan membership program together. We can split the work. So like I had already started this and then that's when Jess came in and she wrote that check for $400, the half of the amount of money that I had already spent for this business. So not a lot, but that then, so we launched that program. I think it was like 2015, summer of 2015. And again, every month we would um, put out new meal plans, new recipes, and there were different kinds of meal plans, gluten-free, paleo, whatever. Um, I think we had like four different options. And we realized that we, for the number of members we had, which wasn't very many, the amount of work we were putting into that program just wasn't really paying off. So we um, decided like this wasn't for us after three months. We, what did, what did we just, just, how did we say that? Like we, uh, um, Oh yeah. We just re like re yeah. reversed everyone's PayPal. Yeah, there we you like, go. Sorry. It's just not working for us. It's not you. It's us. <laughs> And the thing was, or the thing was that we just didn't have the amount of recipes at the time. So like now we have all these, we have like 600 plus recipes on our blog. So had, you know, if that was something we tried to pursue again, it might be a different experience. Plus we have a much larger community and platform to promote that on, but nothing that we plan to, to add to in our future. So yeah, there are companies that are absolutely crushing it. So we don't need to. So then once we decided that, nope, the meal plan membership program isn't for us. It didn't work out. We literally the next day started the blog and Jess was in Minnesota. She was planning a trip to Minnesota to work on the meal plan membership program. But instead we spent the entire two days or three days creating a website. And that was, and that's the blog. Obviously it's been updated and we've had someone come in and create our website. But in the beginning, we created it ourselves it kind of just happened as a result of our first business, quote unquote, failing. <laughs> that's so funny. Like, um, here's your money back. This isn't actually going to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, I like kind of love that though. Just like, I did too. Yeah, like in the moment, like, hey, you're not you're not married to this. this is yeah, and also just knowing when it's not working and it's not working for the two of you as a business, and you just have to pivot and move on. Mm -hmm. And I think people probably appreciated the honesty. And I think like we were creating a business that you know we wanted to love, and if we're creating our business, like you bet we are going to love it. So like that's when we're like, this is not for us. Like we just don't love it. You guys really set out to say like this is going to be our full time job. This is going to be our business with the blog. No, really, the blog was it was really just a place to house the recipes that we could then refer our clients to. It just took off, and eleven months later, we wrote ourselves our first paycheck, which is kind of unheard of in blogging. It was it was one hundred and twenty six dollars. So, but we were pretty pretty proud of ourselves to have a paycheck at eleven months. We really did hustle, though. You know, we were blogging on our site, and then we were guest blogging any opportunity we had. And then we kind of fell in step with the whole 30 and that really kind of propelled us forward really quickly. Yeah. They've just picked us up and they were like, you guys have great recipes. And we took over their Instagram feed. Yeah. We just grew from there. We never realized it'd be our full-time jobs. And I think by October of 2015, no, not October, June of 2015, I closed my private practice, worked on the blog full-time. And then Stacy, I think it was October of 2015 or 16. It was a little bit, it took me a little bit to um, uh, leave my job at where I was working at a hospital. I think it was just like, I really liked my job at the hospital. Like it wasn't, you know, I really enjoyed it. And so that was hard for me to choose to, I just didn't know what to do, but 
obviously when you grow something, you have a much more stronger connection to it. So it was, I think it was like 2017, Jess. I was think, it? Okay. Because I went to like contract and so was very part, like part-time oh, right. there and then worked the blog. I want to know a little bit about your personal philosophies of food because there's so much information out there and how do you, how are you similar and how do you differ? What do you both bring to the table? Well, I think we're very similar. Like we both came to this having done a couple of Whole30s herself for you know, health reasons. I have an autoimmune disease and Stacy was doing it for some digestive issues. And so we kind of fell into that whole 30 paleo, everything was gluten-free. And that's, those are the recipes we were writing. Of course, those were also the patients and clients that we were seeing. We've maintained that allergy friendly bent since then. So all of our recipes are written to be gluten-free. You can modify them to contain gluten, or you can modify them to be dairy-free or egg-free or nut-free. We have a lot of options. So Our philosophy really is that we're creating meals that anyone can enjoy. So we give lots of modifications. We test them with all different modifications. I mean, personally, I don't eat gluten-free all of the time, but most of my meals don't contain gluten. And then when I do have gluten, it's, it's like sourdough or it's a, it's a worthy splurge or something that like, I feel good eating. And I'm really excited about, like, I'm not going to eat saltines because they're not exciting. Yeah. So our philosophy is really that everyone, everyone has a place at our table because we create recipes that are very easy, simple, approachable, and can be modified for anyone. Anything to add, Stacey? No, I think, I think you got it. What do you feel like is, has been the biggest difference between you guys as you, does one of you really gravitate towards, I don't know, taco recipes or, um, you know, like when you sit down to start brainstorming, is it always, do you have any real preferences that show up that, for example, like Joy and I always joke that, you know, or not even joke, but Joy loves like cereal and pancakes and like kind of carby snack foods. I'm over here, like give me a tin of sardines. Like, are there just like food preferences or food opinions that are really unique to each of you? Or do you feel like you are similar in a lot of the things that you like? Um, well, definitely we do have the recipes that we gravitate each gravitate towards. So for me, of course, I take most of the egg recipes because Jess has an egg allergy. So that's an easy one. And I really enjoy like egg bakes and all the different egg dish. And then I really enjoy like making different salads, like chicken salads and veggie salads. I also would say baking, like the oatmeal bakes and all of the different gluten-free baked goods. We also have Anna, our social media coordinator, who loves to bake. So she takes a lot of the baked goods as well. And then Jess, she likes... I'll let you go, Jess. Yeah. Most of mine are like tacos, soup, stew, grilling. I mean, I love vegetables too, but those are kind of the things I gravitate towards. So like Claire, I would be the one opting for canned fish (laughs) and tacos. Don't knock it till you try it, guys. So good. (laughs) I had some yesterday on my salad. Thought of you. So good. I love it. Jess, I didn't realize you were allergic to eggs. Don't you have like 40 chickens? I have 32 chickens, but yes, I'm definitely allergic (laughs) to eggs and it's so unfair. And the next time I come around in life, I'm going to eat all the eggs. It's like, I'm putting that request in now for the next round. Yep. I would like to be able to eat eggs. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So unfair. I want to dive into your cookbook a little bit. I know you want to focus a little bit more about like your overall story, but when you, when it came time to start the cookbook, I, I remember chatting with Jess in the parking lot of Crescent Roots, like within a couple of weeks of you finding out you were going to do this and you're like, well, we have this really big project and 
you were being very sort of like vague about it and like, but I just, you know, I have to go home and write like all these recipes. And I am always so curious where you start when it comes to just coming up with brand new recipes. Like, and I, you know, having read through the cookbook, I know a lot of them are based in things that you ate growing up or in family recipes, but where do you start when it's time to come up with something brand new? And sorry if people can hear Evie chatting in the background. I don't really know what she's doing, but (laughs) if you can hear small voices, that's what's happening. You know, a lot of it is like we... We got to include 20, 20 recipes from the blog that we know that people love. So we put those in the book and that was kind of the, the ode to the greatest hits, like get our book. You're going to get 20 of your favorites right there. And then for the others, we took recipes that do really, really well, both on social media and the blog. And we, you know, if it was a sheet pan with like a protein, a couple of vegetables and a certain kind of sauce or a marinade or a rub, we just iterated on that. And so we would change up the flavors, change up the protein, change up the vegetables, keep the preparation the same. Same thing with soups, stews, that kind of stuff. And then of course, we also, like you said, we brought in things that we ate growing up and modified them to have a slightly healthier bent to them. Maybe they were more allergy friendly. And then sometimes I think there were some stretch meals, maybe things we don't normally make, but we were like, well, let's take a swing at it because people love this, you know, like one of them might've been the Thai coconut soup. We, um, we don't have it on the blog. I don't serve it every day at the house, but it was like, it's something I really enjoy when we dine out. So we went ahead and modified it. And that's how it ended up in the book. Would you agree, Stacey? That was kind of our, the method to our madness. Yeah. I think with having, you know, we've been blogging for five years now, we know what our community loves. So when we put out a recipe, we can take it, you know, we could, we kind of know how it's going to do. And we really stuck to those recipes that we knew that people are going to love and that they will cook. That all, you know, just knowing our community so well helped us to determine the recipes that we put in the book. And I just, I don't feel like it was that hard to come up with what was it, a hundred plus recipes. I, yeah, I think we just spit them out. We were, we had a couple of phone calls to brainstorm. It was pretty easy to come up with that list. I think it was harder testing seven to eight recipes <laughs> yeah. a day, a day than it was coming up with the recipes. Like we could come up with recipes all day long, but actually executing them was the tough part. And I was just getting through my first trimester of pregnancy. So I was just coming off of that, like feeling nauseous. And so it took a while for me to be able to start testing recipes. I can't yeah, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so was yeah. there any, were there any recipes that didn't make it that you wish had made it into the book? Probably. Yeah. I mean, it all happened so fast. Like we literally signed the contract just before Christmas of 2020 and Christmas day, 2020, we were on the phone coming up with recipes and testing by the very next day. So I honestly can't remember. I'm sure there was many, there's nothing that that like failed too, that we were just like, no, right. There's nothing like that, that ended up on the the cutting room floor. They're like, Oh, if only we had gotten that muffin recipe in there. No, do you have any Stacey. I don't think so. I do remember like I had a bunch that I had tested, but that didn't make the book. So it was almost like the opposite, but then we, we used them for the blog. So they, they were eventually shared somehow. Yeah, that's right. I guess it's not like you don't, this is your only content opportunity. I talk to you guys about the sloppy Joe casserole recipe, because this is the most genius thing I've ever thought of it. Like, so basically people, I'm going to give a little spoiler alert here, but it's basically like a sloppy Joe shepherd's pie. I can't tell you how often my family eats shepherd's pie. Like it's like a, so we get a half cow every year. We have all this beef and we're always like, what the heck are we going to do with these literally hundreds of pounds of ground beef? 
And so when I saw that recipe in there, we love Sabi Joe. We love shepherd's pie. It was like one of those moments you're like, why didn't I think of this? And I've made it three or four times since then, which I've, we've, I'm only in the book, but like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. I just mostly want to say thank you for creating that recipe because it's so genius. So who, who came up with that? It was all Stacey. Well, it was, but it was a combination of a couple of the recipes on our blog. So we have this shepherd's pie that's on our blog. That's like sweet potato topping, obviously like a, a meat you know, base. So this recipe, and then we also have the sloppy Joe recipe that is a recipe just created for the blog. So it was really just combining the two. And then we went with traditional mashed potatoes on the top for the book. I'm in Minnesota. So we have like, if I were to, I would have named it Sloppy Joe hot dish because I'm in Minnesota, but um, Sloppy Joe casserole. And yeah, it is really good. I tested that one several times. So thank you. Thank you for um, enjoying that recipe. It will forever be a hot dish in my mind too. I'm <laughs> yeah. from Minnesota as well. So Casserole just doesn't roll off your lips like hot dish does. Hot dish. <laughs> I also I caught that when you were like, I love egg bakes. It's like nobody else calls that a, calls it an egg bake. Oh yeah. <laughs> what like do you a, what do you like egg casserole or what do you okay? Well, first of all, I would think that that food group just doesn't really exist places outside of Minnesota. Like no one else is like, oh, you got leftovers, just like crack a bunch of eggs in there in a casserole dish and just put it in the oven. Like maybe a quiche would come to mind, but like <laughs> that's, most that's people. Fancy. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta make like a crust. It's like very French. It's a French word. Yeah, I went to a bachelorette party in Minnesota a couple of years ago and we had all these leftovers from like a crudite, whatever. And one of the girls was like, Oh, I'll take that home and put it in an egg bake. I was like, What's an egg bake? <laughs> That is too funny. <laughs> and, you know, there was like some, I think it was like a French onion, like dip thing. She's like, oh, that'd be good in an egg bake. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. just nailed my childhood. My mom was always like, oh, Christmas leftovers, add eggs. <laughs> this is now an egg bake. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, everybody asked for the recipe. And it was like, just literally whatever you can find around the house, just add eggs, put it in a casserole dish, problem solved. Except for Jess, who can't eat eggs. Um, <laughs> Joy, I feel like I'm asking all the questions. Do you have anything you want to jump in with? I want to know quickly what your influences were because I, I'm always very impressed by people who are really good at cooking and creating in the kitchen because I am not. So what was the basis for you to become what you became and the field that you went into? I mean, I started cooking really young. My dad taught me how to cook really, really young and it was never gourmet, but it was like, you know, get it done. It was delicious. It was good. It was healthy, nourishing. I just kind of kept on with that. Like as I went to college, I got a little bit more adventurous in my cooking as I moved away from the Midwest and then worked in restaurants and just can, you know, just always cooking and just always like, I suppose one time I did train for an ultra marathon and I had to do it indoors because I lived in Alaska and I watched the food network for like hours on end. And so they're probably Wait, you trained like, for an ultra indoors on a indoors. treadmill. It was terrible. It was so cold and so icy. Yeah. And so to run on a treadmill for three or four hours. No, absolutely not. Yeah. I would just watch the Food Network and I probably looked really disordered. Like here I'm watching like semi-homemade with Sandra Lee and I'm running. And you're like, oh. (laughs) Nobody knew what I was doing. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. How did you do in the ultra? I finished. That's just amazing. I mean, what was Is that what? 50, 100? It was 50 miles. Okay. I mean, yeah. whatever, anything yeah. over a marathon, even a marathon to me is a lot. <laughs> like it, yeah, it was, more than a, more than like a 400 meter warm up. I'm like, eh, I got to train for that. Well, now I hate running <laughs> as well. You have, you have earned the right to hate running. If you totally for 50 that. Yeah. yeah. 
So but I can't I really say, think of any one thing. It was just, you know. Yeah. And it was just like in your bones. Sometimes I feel like yeah. it's just like in your bones. It's what you do. It's like the hobby that you really love. And I, I think I'm just jealous of everyone who like has that bone in their body. Yeah. Um, you know, when you were training, you know, evolving through that piece of like exercise and food, like were you really focused on like the diets or you were you always like, no, food should be nourishing? Because I feel like that's also something that people get really tangly in. It's like we yeah. can just eat to eat good, good food. Lately, I'm just seeing so much on social around like making sure you eat this food because it has like a vitamin in it or whatever. Like you need like protein and you need like this type of vitamin, like make sure you eat all this liver. And I'm like, can we just have a cookie? Like, can we just enjoy like every single meal doesn't have to have a purpose? No, I mean, I was definitely up several times since I became a dietitian, which is over 20 years now, been very like diet focused or even to the point of getting to where diet was super restrictive and somewhat disordered, usually centered around physical performance or physical appearance. Now, I mean, now I'm not anywhere near there. And so it's like, yeah, food's delicious. It's wholesome. It's nourishing. It's meant to be shared. Whereas before it was like calorie counting, avoiding entire groups of food. Yeah. So I feel like I've kind of run the gamut with dieting and now at a place where yeah, food is food. And here we are. Like it's still, I'm still, you know, eating well, healthy, focusing on, you know, lots of fruits and veggies and stuff, but I'm not like getting crazy. Like, Oh, I have to eat my liver today. So how about you, Stacey? Yeah. I, I'd kind of similar journey as Jess, like definitely went through periods of more restrictive eating, um, calorie counting, all of that. Yeah. Through the years, I think I'm, I'm at a good place right now. And I think also I had my first baby three years ago and she's a girl and that has definitely made me like, okay, I am raising this girl and I want her to be healthy. I want her to have a relationship with food. Like there's just, it just took it to like, just made it much more important to me for me to be that good example for her. I know both of you, I mean, you talked about this a little bit when we were talking about how you got started, but Jess, I know you have a a background with like managing WIC programs. DC, you talked about, you know, working in a hospital. Like one thing I love about, I guess, nutrition influencers or, you know, recipe influencers for lack of a better, (laughs) a better word, who are also dietitians and have that clinical background is having that perspective of knowing really the barriers that need to, you know, that can come between people and eating healthy that have nothing to do with motivation or meal planning or meal prep, or, you know, that there are really these systemic barriers that can keep people from having access to that type of choices or, you know, the ability to make that type of food, even just having the time or the resources to cook your own food at home. How does that come into how you approach the blog or does it have a place in the process that you go through now that you're on this side of it? We take that into consideration a lot, especially I'll let Stacey talk more about this, knowing that not everyone can get all of the ingredients. So we're always very selective about which ingredients we're using. You know, if you can't get it fairly reasonably, easily and locally, then it probably doesn't need to be in one of our recipes. And we can find ways to create the same flavor or texture or mouthfeel or whatever, using something that is readily available. But then also speaking to like barriers, sometimes, you know, we know as dietitians that people don't always have access to abundant, healthy, safe, and nutritious food. So it's teaching people how to do the best with what they do have. And so I feel like our recipes do a very good job of that. They're easy. They're approachable. People can look at our recipes and say, I could make that. And I have pretty much everything I need or can get everything I need very easily to make that. And then we don't preach 
only organic or only grass-fed. And of course, we're here to educate people that these are great options if you can afford them. And if you can't, non-organic dairy, non-grass-fed meat is going to be healthy and nourishing. And it's also an excellent choice. So we try to make everything very accessible. Yes. So I, like Jess said, so I, it's a, it's quite a drive for me to get to a big grocery store. So when we're coming up with recipes and there's an ingredient that like, I can't get at my local grocery store, that's still about 20 miles away. We try not to include it. I mean, sure. We have a few recipes that are a little bit more of a stretch, but for the most part, I would say like 95% of our recipes are recipes that I could go to my local grocery store, get the ingredients and make. And then also we always encourage like using what you have on hand. And again, that comes down to, so when I'm at home and I'm making a recipe and, oh, I'm out of sweet potatoes or whatever, like I'm not going to make a 40 mile round trip to the grocery store just to get sweet potatoes. I'm going to use something different, maybe another starchy vegetable, like a potato or squash or something. As we're talking about this, I'm just thinking like, we don't preach. We don't always preach and say like, like I said, organic or has to be grass-fed or anything like that. But by being aware of how we develop recipes and what we use, I think we're we're addressing that issue for so many people without calling it out. Yeah. And I, I thought of that just as you guys were answering, you know, around like, oh, I don't feel like, oh, I have to take my liver today or, you know, I have to make sure I'm eating my whatever X, Y, Z, because I think that those types of rules can be, can make it feel very inaccessible that like, and you know, it's one thing to say, oh, here's a meatloaf recipe where you could hide some organ meats if you wanted to, but it's very different from saying like, oh, every time you make this, make sure it has grass-fed liver in it. Like, well, where the heck am I going to get grass-fed liver? Let's take a quick break and mention and talk about and let you guys know about our amazing sponsor, who we love, Ned, our favorite CBD products based out of Boulder. You know them. You love them. If you don't know them, you better get to know them so you will love them as much as we do. This month, they're doing a new bundle. It's called the Dream Set. Do you know that Claire and I talk all the time about the great sleep we get from the Ned products? (laughs) And now they've just bundled it all together for you. Uh, The new Dream Set includes their best-selling sleep blend and mellow magnesium, two products specifically developed to optimize your body for sleep and relaxation. It's the ultimate combo to revolutionize your sleep. Claire, I think you have like this combo down because you do mellow at night right before you go to bed and you do the CBD, right? I do. And I'm- Yeah, I'm, you have like a little routine. It's really I have cute. my little routine. I have my, sleep, <laughs> I have my sleepy time tea and I have my mellow and I have my CBD and I'm starting to like experiment with the timing and how far in advance I take it. And I also, again, just want to make this plug. If you are ordering mellow, maybe start with half a packet because magnesium is a natural laxative. And the last thing you want is like you're almost falling asleep and all of a sudden like you got to poop. So, you know, just bringing that up now so you're not surprised if it happens doesn't mean something's wrong. Just maybe ease yourself in to the magnesium. (laughs) Ned's new and improved sleep blend contains CBN, a powerful cannabinoid. 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 Which is always like the best. I love when we say that word. It's the best word. Cannabinoid that promotes sleep. 750 milligrams of USDA certified organic CBD. Yes, organic from the purest single source hemp flower extract and 24% more organic and wild crafted botanicals than the previous formulation. Our listeners, if you would like to conquer sleep, conquer it with Ned's dream set. Joy and Claire listeners get 15% off with code joy. Go to helloned.com forward slash joy or enter code joy at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash joy to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. 
cannabinoid. I'm just going to do that now every time we do those ads. <laughs> you guys, like I'm sitting here with all of my Ned products showing the camera. I and mean, way to show like, off. <laughs> this isn't even like half of them, but <laughs> they're so good, right? Have you I met mean, the guys? Which one? Have you met them in Boulder? No, I haven't. Have you been to their spot? It's like, no, it's off of Arapahoe, just north of that Ozo off 50, like Arapahoe 55th, yep. right there where the go light used to be. It's well, there. Now we need a field trip. The Ned quarters. Them. They're so cute. The Ned quarters. So I want to talk about a few more of the recipes that are in the book. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about the broccoli salad, which we also have made so many times. And if you're at home listening, thinking, I don't love raw broccoli. Why should I eat this? Let me tell you that I don't love raw broccoli either, but I did really love the salad. So tell us a little bit about the inspiration for this, about just, I, I messaged you about it a little bit and I would love to, I know it's like a, a favorite of your grandma's. Yeah. I mean, I think broccoli salad's kind of like the state salad for Minnesota. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Stacey and I both have our own like variation of it. So mine has um, sunflower seeds, which my cousins and I affectionately named wood ticks. So it became known as wood tick salad, which is so gross, but kind of funny. And I think Stacey's might have cheese in it, but yeah, it's raw broccoli, which I don't even like raw broccoli. And you mix it with like mayonnaise or yogurt. It has bacon and red onions. So it's like sweet, savory, crunchy, creamy. It like hits all, all the spots. Grapes. Yeah. Yes. I forgot about the grapes. I, my grandma used raisins, but hmm. like, I liked the grapes, like the little burst of juiciness. Yeah. I don't love a raisin. I just can't them. get on board with raisins. It's like I, taste of sadness. Taste of sadness. <laughs> it's a, it's oh, a taste of disappointment. Oh, I'm too like, raisin. It's okay. <laughs> I like raisins in trail mix. No, no, not into it. Stacey, did you have any dueling opinions about how this broccoli salad should go? I really am like trying to create a conflict with you guys that I feel like is not there, but like, <laughs> it was the salad right. that almost broke the business. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I thought, yeah, I was totally on board with that salad. I mean, like definitely something you would see at like a Midwestern grill out or potluck. Yeah. Just hit it on the nail with that one. <laughs> It's great. It was very like, even I just instinctively added cheese to it. I was like, this feels like it needs cheese. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. And it's funny you ask about, you know, you mentioned the conflict, like just trying to find a con like something that we, we really don't, we work so well together. Like it's, that's so great. Yeah. And I feel like I, I'm always just curious if, you know, I know some people, particularly if you're from, you know, similar areas in the United States, you have really strongly held beliefs about these like traditional dishes. And sometimes those can clash of like, do you know, if you have an apple pie, do you pre-cook your apples or not pre-cook your apples? Or, you know, there's these like very strongly held beliefs. I just didn't know if any of those were brought into the, your beliefs about broccoli salad. <laughs> no, I think because we both grew up in Minnesota, like we were both indoctrinated in the, the cult of broccoli salad and potluck salad. It was really good. It was really good. Highly recommend. The two other recipes that we have made are the um, meatloaf sheet pan recipe, which was really good. And I have an inspiration which was that, okay, you guys say you can use like ketchup or barbecue sauce. So I'm going to make it again with Korean barbecue sauce and add a little like bok choy on the sheet pan. Get a little mix up a little bit. You were hired. And like, we're going to hire you. you that's guys how can, we develop you guys have that idea. Yeah, that's just, how we develop recipes. Just If that shows up on the blog in like two months, just, you know. We were right? just talking about that recipe and how, so we have a barbecue version of that mini meatloaf, the sheet pan recipe. And so that's how that inspiration came for the book. But then we were also just talking about, oh, we could do like exactly what you said, like 
all different flavors for um, sheet pan mini meatloafs. So yes, thank you for that idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like mini meatloaf slash giant meatball. It's kind of how I was like, I was thinking about it. <laughs> and then the other one that we have tried is the beef and broccoli, which is like such a, I, I feel like that's such a standard because we eat so much ground beef. You guys are noticing a trend. All these are ground beef recipes because all my life all I'm doing is looking for new ways to eat ground beef. I just love like having a fresh take on that because I think there's a million ways to do it. And um, yeah, it's always fun to kind of see how different people approach those basic dishes. And I think that's what's so cool about your cookbook and what you guys are talking about, about wanting to keep it approachable is that there's really nothing in there that you're like, Oh, I mean, not nothing, but there's a, I mean, the sloppy Joe recipe obviously blew my mind, but there's nothing where you're like, I've never even heard of this before. What the heck is this? But it is just sort of a new way of thinking about a lot of really classic home recipes. Yeah. That's definitely like how we would describe what we do is we take comfort food recipes that everybody knows and loves, and we just make them slightly healthier. or We just add our own little twist and spin to them. And the photos are beautiful, by the way. Your Instagram page is really beautiful. Anytime I see a photo pop up uh, on the feed with you guys, I'm like, this, it looks really good. Thank you. Which isn't what I'm finding too from a lot of food bloggers. I see it's just not always easy to make some foods look good. Like it could taste delicious, but some foods don't look that great. You guys make it look really, really enticing. So I also want to know from your expertise, what are the common questions you get from people about nutrition? Just basic nutrition? Or what are the things you found yourself repeating a lot to people when it came to their health and feeding themselves? You know, we don't get a lot of these anymore. I think people are, the people who've been with us for so long know that we're not here to talk about any one diet. We don't think that any one diet is the right diet. We're definitely not preachy. We're just here to give you recipes that no matter how you eat, you can make it work for you. So we don't get a lot of questions. We get a lot of questions though about like protein powder. What's your best, what's your favorite protein powder? So we recently, actually Jessie did this article. She did two of them and they were so great. We reviewed whey protein and plant-based proteins. And Jessie wrote two articles or two blog posts that were all about the best whey proteins and the best plant-based proteins. Because everybody always asks us, other than that, do you think that anything else, Stacey? That's exactly what I was going to add. We do get that question a lot. Anytime we're making a smoothie and we add a scoop of protein, that's a popular question as what protein powder do you recommend? So, th- which is what sparked the idea of creating those review posts. That's so fun. We'll have to link to that. And then yeah. we get that question all the time too. And it's like, well, kind of depends on what you like and what you're looking for and what your priorities are. And um, I love that Jesse did that. And having known Jesse from her previous life as the food editor at the last place that I worked, that is like, so her jam. I once had to spend like three whole days sampling plant-based burgers for something that she was doing about plant-based burgers. Let me tell you, eating like one bite at a time of 30 different types of plant-based burgers and being like, this is my breakfast. Everyone in the office was just, (laughs) I would not recommend it. We ended up with so much protein powder. Like every day we were getting more protein, like samples in the mail. We're like, Jesse, this is a lot of protein. (laughs) Stop having it sent to the house, please. Like I trust your methods, but I'm starting to feel a little worried. Can you share what the consensus was? Like what was one of the best ones or whey versus plant protein? Is there a best, better, worst? I think like for each person, like obviously people, there are people who love whey and do really well with whey. And then there's people who really need or want a plant-based protein. So that's why we split them up into two. And then we had different categories. There was like the best for pregnancy and breastfeeding, the best for men, for women, for athletes, I would have to look at the post, honestly. We even had a category for like 
that was looking for a, pro- a protein powder without added any type of like artificial sweetener, even like stevia, monk fruit, anything like that. So we had a category for that. We had an overall. Um, and what was great is Anna, who I mentioned earlier, our social media coordinator, she can't have dairy. So she was a, she tested all the plant-based protein powders. We obviously trusted her um, opinion there just because that's all she can have. Of course, we also tested those as well, but she definitely had a big say in the plant-based protein powders. For me, I personally recommend, I mean, I don't recommend, I personally prefer whey. Like that is just my go-to when it comes to protein powder. I'm with Anna. I can't take, I can't do whey. It just will be all I'm doing the rest of the day. (laughs) Dealing with the consequences of that decision. I would rather just not build muscle. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we probably have a plant-based protein that is perfect for you on the blog. Yes. I'm going to have to go check it out. We'll have to link it's to that all. for sure. Yeah. So that's... there's two separate posts. One is for plant-based and then the other one is for um, whey protein. And there's, I think, seven in each category. Seven. So that was, the, that's kind of the only question. I think if this isn't a question, but when we do share what we eat, like if we do we call them um, a dietitian's day of eats. It's not meant to be like, if you eat this, you're going to look like us or perform like us. It's it's really like, this is a, an example of how we maybe take an easy weekend meal prep and we put it together during the week, or we grab three or four recipes that we make at dinner time, how we fill in the holes. So we're always very careful to say like, this is not to say how you should eat. We don't think it's right or wrong. We just think that this is how we do it. People always ask, they always want to ask, want to know. It's kind of like when they go to your house and they want to look in your medicine cabinet, people always want to know what we're eating. I think that'd be the second question. Or do not people question, come to your house and look in your house. medicine cabinet? <laughs> I, I don't have one, but... <laughs> I think that's a thing, right? Like people it's come totally in a thing like, because when yeah. you're a dietitian, I, I always think, I think about that all the time of like, you must have like this optimized knowledge of food. If you're like feeling bad, you have, it's almost like you could create a witch's brew to be like, I'm, f-, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels like you have this inside to something we all have to do. And we all know we have to quote unquote, eat better, uh, or take care of ourselves. I mean, it is tied to health. So whatever that looks like for you. But I think that that's that intrigue of what your knowledge is around something that we all have to do every single day and how we can feel better. Cause we all want to feel better. And how do we do that? How do we do that as we age? I do it as an athlete. Yeah. And there are so many great dietitians out there who are speaking to all of these things. So we've never felt that we need to be the ones speaking to certain diets or performance or pre and post workout and all that stuff. It's like, we see our job as putting out recipes that other professionals can use. So we have a lot of dietitians who follow us and they say, yeah, I share your recipes with my clients all of the time. And so I feel like that's kind of our sweet spot. We don't have to do the day-to-day, the talking about the diets. We're just creating tools for others to use. And when we get those questions, we happily refer them off to the dietitian that we feel is an expert in whatever they are asking. Who are some of the people that you find yourselves referring out to most often? For any pregnancy-related question, Lily Nichols, she's amazing. Yeah. And if people are coming like, about macros or performance, I always refer them to a more holistic functional bend. And then we send them off to dietitians we know there or people who are just looking to eat healthy and not have a lot of food issues. So we'll often refer to Laura Lagos. You know, she does a good job of saying like looking at food as food and not necessarily food as a number or a function. We, You guys know we love Laura. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
now that your book is out in the world and now that, you know, you have a third person on your team and, you know, you guys are just continuing to grow and get more, I imagine, get more ideas and get more questions and get more opportunities. Like what's coming up next for you guys, or what are you excited about? What do you think, Stacey? I think we have a pretty long list. I think we have a long list of things we don't want to (laughs) do. Yeah. The last, I would say year and a half has been a lot. Like there have been, we have, we wrote a book, we had a new website created, just like an update of our website. We had an SEO audit. Like it was just a lot that we had going on in the last year. I had a baby, Jess had some loss or um, some family, personal things in her family that she was going through. And so now we're just ready to like slow down and just like take a step back and yeah, chill out for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. We were last week, we were in Salt Lake City for the Traeger Summit, for the Traeger Girls Summit. And we left there like just wanting to go home and just be creative again and cook and grill all the things and just play with food and not not take ourselves so darn seriously. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's been just a light two years for everyone, as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that's on par with what we're hearing from a lot of people. They're like, you know what? I'm ready to just sort of have a regular year. I'm getting lots of sure. Awesome. Well, where can our audience find you if they are not already following you? Well, we are blog, therealfooddietitians.com. We have, and then at all social medias at The Real Food Dietitians. Except for Pinterest. I think we're still the Real oh. Food RDs, like registered dietitians. But you can find all of those on our website. So if you go to the top, you can click the social button and get to where you need to be. I really would love to know who else out there is still using Pinterest because I am still an avid, avid Pinterest user. And I feel like I'm the only one. People are always like, you still are on? Like, yeah, of course I am. It's the best. My stepdad loves Pinterest. Well, me and your stepdad should hang out because (laughs) I love Pinterest. I'm on there all the time. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so, so much for being on the podcast. It's been so such a long time coming. I'm so glad we finally were able to have you guys on here and hopefully we'll be able to do it again. And everybody, you can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can go to joyandclaire.com. Although our website is currently under construction, uh, just bookmark it for future because it's going to be exciting. We have some, some website updates coming. You can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. We love your comments, your questions, your recommendations. Please send us a note. And we will talk to you next Thursday, just like every Thursday since 2013. We are here for you and we will continue to be here. Thank you so much for being here. See you guys later. See you later. Bye, Bye guys. 